to you on her shame. One boy There's a saying in showbiz I am familiar with that says, never follow kids. Um, but this isn't showbiz, you know. So, fortunately, this is not showbiz. This is this is the word of the Lord that, uh, and the blessings of God that, that comes to us. So we have a couple scripture readings that I want to start with uh, today, um, that I hope are on the screens. There we go. Um, as you know from St. John's, uh, in the, at, at St. John's here in the summertime, we're continuing a, a sermon series on love is the most excellent way, and we're, we're basing that on 1 Corinthians 13, so I'm going to read that for you, and then there will be a, a gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 20 that follows that, and, and we need both of those uh, in front of us this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and, have a- and men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that's our reading from First uh, Corinthians, and then the gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 20, beginning at the 20th verse. It looks like they're still trying to get that ready back there. My apologies. There it is. The mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John were Zebedee's sons. So the mother of James and John came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of Jesus. And Jesus says, what is it that you want? And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He said, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." So those are our readings this morning for our contemplation. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the love that you pour out into our lives. I thank you that uh, through Jesus and, and his death and his resurrection, you have indeed torn down the walls that were there. Open our hearts and minds now, Lord, that we might think about what it means to, to live in your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, yeah, uh, we're continuing that, that uh, sermon series on, on love, the most excellent way. But before we jump into that, I want to do a special introduction with some friends of mine that are here today from Urara Lutheran School in Japan. So you guys don't need to stand up. I Maybe just wave your hands to them. Uh, there are 24 students here from Urara Lutheran High School in Japan. It's a group of, it's a high school that I worked with for some time. And there are also uh, some of their missionaries and some of their leaders that are here with them. Tom Going, who is their missionary and teacher. You might know Tom if you've been around for a while. He was here as an intern, as a DCE back in... <laughs> and uh, then... Uh, um, Emily Crosby is here with him. Emily is a recent graduate of Concordia, and she's now a missionary teacher over in Japan. And uh, my friend Michiko Ishii, who is also an English teacher, who is here with them today. Um, a little bit more on them, but I'd like you to give them a welcome. Now, if you remember last week, if you were here last week, you know that as I struggled through and tried to think about what love is and what love is not and how we would continue this, this message series, um, you know that I was kind of thinking about popular love songs that we heard on the radio. Uh, last week, I was thinking about uh, a song that kept coming to my mind uh, called Nature Boy, which was made popular by Nat King Cole, I think, the first time. And one of the songs in there, one of the lyrics in that song says, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and, and be loved in return. And I thought, as profound as that is, I think the kind of love that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 is something like this. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is that you're loved by God. And yes, you can love in return. That's, I think, closer to what Paul is saying when he says love is the most excellent way. It is this self sacrificing love of God is the greatest thing that you'll ever learn about in this world, I think. And then as I got to thinking a little bit more about, well, this week on what love does, that's supposed to be our theme this week, I came across another pop song that you might remember from a movie in the 1980s, The Power of Love. That was a, that was a good song. And it occurred to me that God's love is Powerful. Whatever God's love does, it does it in powerful ways in our lives. So before we get into 1 Corinthians, I want to back up to that passage that we read from Matthew 20 today and, and think about that just a little bit. There we saw the mother of James and John asking Jesus to let her sons sit at Jesus' right and left hand when he came into his kingdom. Now, in my world, if there are parents who ask such powerful questions on behalf of their children, we call those helicopter parents uh, because they kind of hover. Um, but the mom wasn't the only one asking the question in that story. James and John were right there with her asking the question. They were part of the question. They wanted this position of prominence too. Now, on the one hand, as Jesus heard the question, he might have said, oh, yes, someone's been listening to me because she asked the question, can you do this when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus is going, I've been talking about coming into my kingdom for like months. And finally, you know, someone is, is uh, listening at the same time. I think Jesus went, ah, oh, I've been talking about what life is like in my kingdom and they just don't get it and they still don't get it. You see, I backed all the way up to about the middle of Matthew chapter 16, where I found Jesus sort of repeatedly teaching this lesson to his disciples in different ways and, in, and at different times. And in this section of the Bible, you know, you know that 
Peter asks Jesus, well, how many times do I have to forgive people? You see, in, in Peter's mind, forgiveness has limits. And in this section, the disciples are seen sending children away from Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 the kingdom of God belongs to people like this. And then here again, we saw them asking this question about who is supposed to sit at his right and his left hand. And at one point, the disciples even said, well, who's the greatest in your kingdom? They, they wanted to know this. And we kind of have to give them a break because in their world, the way they thought about things, well, these were normal questions. This is how the kingdoms that they were used to, this is how they worked. In their way of understanding, forgiveness had limits. It just did. Peter's question wasn't all that odd. In their way of thinking, kingdoms had, had you know, people in authority and people in prominence and people in lesser and lesser and lesser, and somewhere down at the bottom were children. That's just how they thought in their world. So Jesus repeats patiently and, and in various ways that his kingdom works, works quite differently than that. In his kingdom, he says, you are supposed to take up your cross willingly, and losing your life means finding life itself. And in Jesus' kingdom, forgiveness has no limits. And the greatest in his kingdom, well, those will be the ones that humble themselves like a child. And then in chapter 20, we saw Jesus say to the mom, and to the brothers, and to the other ten. Let's face it, the other ten were indignant with the guys because, well, they wanted those positions of prominence too. It was, it was the whole group of people. And so Jesus said to them, and to you and me, whoever would be greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." I think you can see why the disciples had so much trouble. This kind of flipped everything on its end. And the love of God we find in Jesus' kingdom is nothing like the love we find in worldly or popular kinds of places. I want to show you a picture that I have that I took when we were in, in Juarez last month building a house. Um, because one of, the thing that I, that one of the things that love does, the love of God, is it brings joy to people's hearts. So you can see this, this little girl here. I took this picture at the last day. We had finished our week of building a house, and um, we were about to have a little special service where the people who would, would receive the house um, would get their keys, and we would also um, pray a prayer of blessing over the family and over the house. And there were people from the neighborhood that came, and, and uh, family and friends, and there was an air of excitement in the air. Um, but that's not why this little girl is doing this happy dance that you see here. This little girl, while we were getting everything prepared, took up a game of catch, a simple little game of catch with another one of the female volunteers that had gone with us. I think the, the volunteer was probably in high school, and uh, they were standing only about four or five feet apart, and while they waited, they were tossing this uh, Nerf football back and forth. And this little girl wasn't interested in catching the ball. She wasn't really very good at catching the ball, and that was fortunate. That gave me time to get my phone out and get some of these pictures of her. But her whole goal in, in that moment and the thing that brought her joy in that moment was if she would throw the ball and when the other girl would catch it, she would go into this dance. She'd, she'd jumping up and down, throw her hands in the air and squeal every time this girl would catch it. And that's kind of how God's love is for us too. 
You see, Jesus didn't come to live and die for us so that more of us would throw love his way. No, Jesus came and lived and died so that he would be able to give us love. And when, when we receive that love of God, it brings God joy. Think about the story of the lost sheep that we read about. Our friends from Japan know this story about the lost sheep pretty well. They have a whole skit that they, that they do on this. And in that story, Jesus tells us that he wants all people, lost sheep, all of them, to come to know of his love. In fact, Jesus says in that story that God rejoices greatly when even one person comes to know of his love. So what that tells me is that when people come to faith and when there are baptisms, just like there were here last week, God does his own little happy dance. And so God's love brings joy. But, you know, it doesn't just bring joy to God. God's love brings joy to us as well. When we participate in the outpouring of God's love, when we can see how people are impacted by the love of God, that brings joy to us too. If you get a chance, ask Beth Newell. She's not here this week, but she'll be back next week. Or, or ask, ask my friend Elvis in the back there, Josh, um, just how powerful it is to see the love of God poured out into people. Uh, we just came back from a, a foster teen leadership camp a few weeks ago, and we spent the week pouring love into young people in the community who desperately, desperately need to hear about God's love. And at the end of the week, we were, we were kind of saying goodbye to the, the campers that were there, and we were kind of blessing them with some words from the scriptures. And Beth and Elvis, they, they were so overcome that they could hardly speak of their joy. And, that's, and God's love does that to us, too. It, it brings us joy. I'm going to tell another little personal story that um, I hope I get through because it, it brings me so much joy. Um, as I mentioned, there's a, a friend of mine over here, Michiko. Um, she's here from, from a school in Japan, and, and I've known Michiko for, I don't know how long it was. We tried to figure out the other day. We met in the early 2000s, and when we first met, uh, Michiko was a teacher at Urara Lutheran School in Japan, but she was not yet a Christian. And I was a teacher at Concordia, but I was not yet a pastor. And so we've kind of grown into things over the years. And uh, when we first met, I, along with Tom and some others uh, all around the world, were busy praying that Michiko would come to know the love of the Lord. And we were, when we had a chance, we were pouring out God's love into her. And I still remember the day in, in 2010, I got an email that Michiko sent to, the, to people all over the world, her friends, and said, you know what, I'm going to be baptized in a few months here. And we were like, yes. So we kind of did our own happy dance. And then on, on April 4th, 2010, Easter Sunday that year, Michiko was baptized, and now she's busy pouring out the love of God into people she meets too. And, and what a joy that is. To, it brings me joy, and um, it just I know it brings Tom joy. And to think about now that she's here and, uh, and pouring that joy into, into the students that she's with and to all the people that she meets in Japan, these are great stories, and it brings us joy. But there's another, the, the slide that we have up here right now, there's another thing that God's love does, and it does in powerful ways. It heals. You see, God's love is all about an, a limitless forgiveness of sins, and we know that that forgiveness brings healing in our lives, right? It, it brings us into a peaceful relationship. We sang in the first song about how God's love tears down walls. Many of you here right now, you know the story, right? On the cross, Jesus took God's punishment 
for himself and instead gave us this healing peace, this forgiveness that's healed an adversarial relationship between us and between God. And the power of God's love is the power to heal relationships. And God's desire is that would heal our personal relationships too with one another. If you've ever experienced that kind of love, if you've ever had a relationship that was just healed by, by love and by forgiveness, you know what I'm talking about. And, and you know that that too brings you joy and it just feels good. So God's love brings joy and, and God's love heals. But I think the most important thing that we need to think about this morning is that God's love also never ends. In verse 7 of our passage from Corinthians, we read this, Love always protects, love always trusts, love always hopes, and love always perseveres. So what I want you to do right now, and you guys will be good at this, over in, over in the sanctuary they are a little bit uncomfortable with this, but what I want you to do right now is turn to the people on both sides of you and say to them, God's love for you never ends. God's love for you never ends. And if we can jump to the last slide in my uh, slide here, um, I have a, I was going to read this. I'll, all right, I'll try to read this. I, I thought there were going to be some guests from Korea today, our, our guests that are visiting. And so I was going to try to say this. That says God's love never ends. And it's, it's, Hananim oi sarang un yong san hamnida. Hananim oi sarang oi yong there you go. God's love never ends. And as bad as I am in Korean, I'm even worse in Japanese. So we have one more slide where we're actually going to play an audio clip for you that says it in Japanese. Apparently it takes a lot more words in Japanese. <laughs> but we want you to know that. God's love for you never ends. And sometimes I think if we as Christians start to remember that God's love for us never ends, and if we sort of fall into that, that worldview that the disciples always fell into, we might misunderstand just what it means to say that God's love never ends. You see, in our worldview, things that are very prevalent have sort of a lesser value, and things that are rare are the things that have great value. Think about it, we put great value on metals, right? The rarer the metal is, the more valuable we decide it is. And the more prevalent and common things are in our world, the lesser value on that we place on them and we, and we tend to think of them and sort of take them for granted. But let's not think about God's love that way. Just because it's limitless love doesn't mean we can take it for granted or place a lower value on it. Remember, in, in God's kingdom, things work differently than they do in most of the worldly kingdoms. So if you've ever hesitated to, to pour out God's love into other people's lives just because you know, well, God's love will be there tomorrow and I can pour out love tomorrow, I want to encourage you to, to jump on that and begin pouring out love into people today. Don't wait. 
It brings you joy. Why would you wait? Maybe you can find some of the outreach projects that are going on here at St. John's, or in the next few weeks, you're going to be asked to join a life group here at St. John's, and even in all of those cases, you're going to find ways to pour out God's love into other people's lives and, and have God's love poured into your life as well. And that's just going to bring you joy. It's it's just going to feel good, and that's okay. So why wait? And how about if there are opportunities in your life or, or situations in your life where, where there's conflict, where maybe you've got some adversarial relationships and in, in, uh, you need to apply a little bit of love, a little bit of forgiveness, and a little bit of that kind of healing that comes from God's love. And maybe you've hesitated to do that because, well, let's face it, that's hard to do. And maybe you're thinking, well, I can do that later. God's love will still be there. That forgiveness will be possible later. Again, I say, why wait? The the healing that comes from God's love, um, it feels good. And I think to myself, if you were ill at home, not feeling well, and you knew that you had a plentiful supply of medicine in the cabinet that would make you feel better, you probably would go ahead and take that. You wouldn't wait till tomorrow. So maybe why wait till later to begin working on and restoring the relationships and applying God's love and God's healing? And then lastly, if you have been waiting through different parts of your life to become a genuine follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, if you've been waiting on that because you know, well, Jesus' love for me is always there. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there today. Um, I say again, why wait? Let the endless love of Jesus fill your hearts today. Maybe go to lunch with a Christian and have an honest conversation with them about just how valuable the love of God really is. Or read the Bible and find ways to let the Spirit of God fill your life with joy. Get your own little happy dance from God going today. Become a follower of Jesus. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. So that's really what what love does. That's the the power of God's love. It brings joy, and it brings joy to you and to God. And it brings healing into our lives, too. It heals our relationship with God, and the love of God heals our relationships with one another. And, of course, God's love never ends. And that makes it a very, very valuable thing. And my hope is that it will be part of your lives every day of your life. In the name of Jesus, amen.